What's wrong with you people? How do y'all feel this morning? Why do you always make me define what you meant? That's how I feel. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Welcome to the Reformatory, the podcast where we engage life, theology, and everything awesome. My name is Daniel Corr. I'm pastor at wow. King's Cross Church in Kirkland, Washington. I'm Josh Loftus, member at King's Cross Church in Kirkland, Washington. That was quite the intro there. Everything uh, awesome. Full gusto. Everything is awesome. Hey man, before we start going into our topics, we've got a sponsor. And it's the same sponsor. It's the lovely sponsor. It is Renewed Man. You are in my current beard aficionados yes providers uh renewed man is a beard care and oil company they make amazing products if you are a man and you have a beard want to grow a beard or if you are a woman that knows a man with a beard you need to go on this website www.renewedman.com or follow them on instagram at renewed man grooming and they have amazing, amazing stuff. Y'all need to go on up there and get yourself some beard products from Renewed Man. They're going to be our sponsor for a little while, and we can personally attest to the greatness of their product. They are incredible. They are incredible. They are incredible. Are, are you currently wearing? I am. Which one? Iron Dram. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Is Look, it Iron Dram? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's Iron Dram. Yep. Uh, yep. It's good Lumberjack's stuff. Wisdom was yesterday. There you go. Did you feel very wise? Um, I feel like that scent in particular, it it smells like I ran through a pine forest <laughs> while chewing bubblegum. There's a bubble there's a bubblegum scent in it. I don't know how to say it. It's like you were chopping trees down while blowing bubbles. Yes. <laughs> yes. Which it's is wonderful. Like, it's feel, a wonderful feel, scent. Wonderful scent. Feel good. Well, you know what another wonderful thing is, Daniel? You the beard balms that they Well, provide. yes, that's true. But aside from that, uh, I don't know if our listeners know this, but you are a part-time teacher at a Christian school. Yes. Right? What grades do you teach? Just eighth. Eighth grade. Something happened last week. You guys had like a special day. Oh, yeah. You had a special day. This is why you didn't tell me what the opening was. <laughs> what was special about last week? Highlander Day. Highlander Day. Now, you're, the school's mascots have the Highlander, right? Yes. So, and they had Spirit Day. It was like school spirit day, yeah. right? But yeah. they call it Highlander Day. There's yeah. a picture floating around. The interwebs. The interwebs of you, my I just want to know who read him out. Was, was it Worley or was it... Uh... A good investigator does not divulge his sources. I'm not I'm, telling you... Michael, I'm coming who, for you. I'm not telling you who gave me this yeah. choice picture, but it is a picture of yeah. you with William Wallace-esque blue face paint. Yeah. And you're wearing a kilt. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt like I did what was what any 8th grade <laughs> classic Christian Bible class teacher would do. Uh-huh. And just go full go like like full, full I ordered the socks, the you kilt. Did. You had- I even ordered a shirt yes. that is like held together with rope. Wow. And it's supposed to go with a kilt. Yeah. And I braided my beard. 
I saw the braided beard. The only thing that was missing was like that, like, like furry pouch that like goes over so your crotch. I know, region. I know, <laughs> I know why they have, have that. that. Yeah, why? kilts don't have pockets. No, I they had don't. to tuck my cell phone in the waistband. Yeah, and it's just now. It, it okay, didn't work. here's the question that everybody listening right now wants to know: Did you why go authentic they... kilt, or were you wearing shorts underneath? Uh, the school requires for Spirit Day. <laughs> did, they, did they put out a memo to all teachers wearing kilts? And then it's just dot, dot, dot. I don't have to finish this sentence. No, they, they, so they, they say it for, for all involved. Because yes. some of the students wear kilts, too. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so it is a- All uh, kilt wearing will be Oh, there will be shorts. There will be, shorts there will be undergarments. Because you as a teacher, you actually do some sitting. It would not be a standing day. <laughs> As a teacher, I, I stand all day, yes. actually, so oh, oh, I, don't, okay. I don't sit at all. But That's fair. That's fair. So this, this picture may or may not find its way onto the interwebs. Yeah, I don't think it will. It might get leaked. I think it's safe. Mm, I think it's probably going to find its way. Let's just be honest. But moving on. Uh, so shout out we, to my eighth graders, oh, though. Oh, yeah. Give them a shout out. Because I hear your eighth graders listen. They, some of them listen. Right on. One of them, I won't say which one. Okay, uh, right. was critical of our opening what? music. Critical, as in didn't like it. Didn't like it. Yeah, oh, you know who my you are. Goodness. But uh, they, I think most, if not all of them, are avid listeners. So That's hello, legit. eighth grade. You well, know who you are. Hello, Daniel's eighth grade class. Props to you, Daniel. We have finished our series in Calvinism. We finished this series in five solas. Mm-hmm. And we are now marching into the next kind of phase of what it means to be reformed. Yes. We're getting into covenantalism. Yes. Oh, this this topic is not debated at all within the church. Everyone's a covenantalist. Everyone is, right? Um, no? No. Did you go to a covenantalist school? No, neither did you, though. Neither did I. <laughs> it's 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 crazy that 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 both of us actually uh, became covenantal. So before we get going, can we just give a just a basic definition? If someone were to say, "Hey, what is covenantal theology? Mm-hmm. What does that mean?" Yeah, what's an answer that you would give to someone like me who's not very smart? When we say covenantalism, we're talking yeah. to a system of theology. Yes. So many uh, here in America, many of uh, the churches, maybe a majority of the churches, would fall into what would be called various forms of um, dispensational theology. And that's a way of understanding how all of the pieces of the Bible fit together. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, we're not going to say like it's the person who says, like, I don't have a system or I don't believe in a system or right. you're applying your system. We, we all have a system. Now, right. the person who says, I don't have a system. They're unaware of their system. Mm-hmm. They're unaware of all of the presuppositions they come to the text with. We all have them. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a covenantal person and a dispensational person have a set of presuppositions that they know about, hopefully, mm-hmm. and they seek to understand how all of Scripture fits together. Covenant theology is one of the big ones. Mm-hmm. Um would you say would this be a fair definition in your if we're gonna if we're gonna sync it up that covenantalism or dispensationalism is, dispensationalism is basically the framework with which we look at and interpret the canon of scripture? So in this large topic of 
trying to figure out how we interpret Scripture. What is the correct lens to view Scripture and interpret the narrative of the canon that we have? Daniel, you have uh, a kind of a cool system that that I don't know if I've heard anywhere else. I don't want to give you the credit of making it up because I'm pretty sure you stole it. I steal most things. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Big R, little R. Big R, little R. So yeah. there's a word. Um, suss, suss that out. Josh, you're a film connoisseur. Are you a fan of The Princess Bride? Oh, man. One of the best movies ever. All right. Oh, yeah. So I've actually seen that film. Good. Okay. Well, I should hope so if you're going to reference it here and well, use it as an example. It hasn't stopped me before. <laughs> uh, that's true. That's true. Yes, I've seen it. You know, it. There, there's a scene where Amigo Montoya yes. is talking about the... Amigo Montoya. <laughs> if you say it fast enough, it sounds right. <laughs> yeah. He's talking to the, the little guy yep. who says inconceivable a lot. Inconceivable. And he says to him, I don't think that word means what you think that it means. Right. Correct. That is often the case with the R word, reformed. Reformed. Very true. Very Not true. all Israel is Israel. Not all usages of the <laughs> word reformed <laughs> is actually is, reformed. Is the same. So people right. use that word and they mean different things. So just by yeah. illustrative purposes, mm-hmm. when Dr. MacArthur uh, says he is reformed, what right. he means is he's a Calvinist. He's Calvinistic he, in his soteriology. He, yeah. he affirms yep. the doctrines of the reformers in the sense that he, like them, believes in God's uh, sovereignty a, yeah, in salvation. a reformed soteriology. Yep. Right. right. Which, to be fair, for the longest time growing up, yeah. that, that was me. When I heard Reformed, the first thing and the honestly the only thing that came to my mind was Calvinism. I think that's probably I thought the that was the beginning view. and the end yeah. of what Reform meant. Yeah, yeah. I think most people, when they use it, yeah. that's kind of the sense when they say, "Oh, like, that guy's Reformed." They mean he's Calvinist. He's a Calvinist, right? When someone like the late great Doctor Sproul would say that he was Reformed, yes. What he would mean is that he is not just a Calvinist, though right. he was. That's definitely part of it. It's part of it. Yep. You can't be reformed and, and not, not be, be a Calvinist. Calvinist. Right. But what he was talking about is that he is not just a Calvinist, but he's also confessional. And covenantal. And covenantal. Yes. So it, f- for the full use of that word, um, you've got to be covenantal in your system of theology, and you need to be confessional. So you adhere to a body of doctrine, mm-hmm. and you are um, you approach the Bible in a covenantal way. Right. When Dr. MacArthur uses it, I would I would call that, and I I don't mean this at all disparagingly. I'm trying to distinguish no, no, it's, a word. It, it's just it's just a system of trying to categorize the different. Yeah, the I different call beliefs. that little right. R reformed. So sure. reformed with a little R. Right. And I would call what um, Dr. Sproul is or was. Well, yep. he still is. He still is. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and MacArthur will be. <laughs> <laughs> we all will be. Yeah. He would say after the rapture. But, uh, oh. You know. <laughs> That's true. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, I would call Dr. Spoon big, big R. R. Big R. There's yeah. another group yeah. that would say you not only have to be confessional and covenantal, you got to be paedobaptistic. Yes. Uh, I would have some they problems like with that the, group. But like the capital New Times Roman R. They would do capital bolded R. Capital bolded R underlined three times yes. are yes yeah. so uh there would be some who would even hear me and say well you're a baptist you can't be reformed well yeah i i, I uh, politely disagree right but when so, so i would argue that folks should sharpen their use of that word if you want mm-hmm. to say reformed 
uh, please please apply it to somebody who's covenantal and confessional. Right. And if you want to say Calvinist, just use that word. Right. Well, and that is the historical use of the word. I yeah. think I think it is more of a recent thing for us to kind of hijack the term reform to it just meeting Cal- Calvinistic. Because, I mean, there was a huge Calvinist resurgence. I think it came up with that. You know, and I think early it came out John of Piper, yep, early the John Young, MacArthur. Restless, and Reformed yep. movement. It's Young, Restless, and Reformed, but the Reformed part, it just is just Calvinism. You, you get a young, lot of Restless, like, Reformed sound better than Young Calvinists. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Young that's Restless, right. Came, it should have yeah. been Angry Calvinists, but it, it just but, but didn't it have wasn't. the ring. Young, KG, and, and, and Calvinist, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I used to call them the the young, reckless, and reform. That's fair because out of that came like things like Marcel and yeah. Mark Driscoll and things of that sort. So yep. that's yes, that is true. But yeah, so when we're talking about reformed, and we can kind of just use this as a presupposition for the rest of this podcast. Honestly, when Daniel and I use the term reformed, what we mean is what we believe the historical definition is: Calvinistic, yes, but mm-hmm. confessional and covenantal. Yeah, right. So now that that's there and out of the way. Yeah. Let's start talking about covenantalism mm-hmm. versus dispensation dispensationalism mm-hmm. and kind of the two primary ways that at least the church in America views and interprets scripture. Yeah. Right? So how would we as coven covenantalists? Coveys. Coveys. I like that better, right? I, I just need to stick with that. Coveys. How would we as Coveys? Uh, <laughs> sounds like a pajama. Like it sounds no. like pajamas. You get like get, like oh, t- did you get your Coveys on? <laughs> get diapers and pajamas out of I your can't. mind. It's just ingrained. It just sounds like know. something so comfortable. Uh, like it is. like whatever it, it is. I slid right into it. I want to. <laughs> I want to wear Coveys. How do we so, interpret scripture? So. Be, man, I feel like there's, there's such a huge topic, yeah. and as soon as I start saying anything, there's like alarms in my mind going like, well, but. Um, <laughs> so within all of these, there's a spectrum. So yes. I don't want to make it sound like these are crisp and defined. Right. Well, even in dispensationalism, there's a huge spectrum of varying beliefs. Even within covenant theology, there's a spectrum. Even within between those two, there's new covenant theology or progressive dispensationalism we're not we're not really going we're not to take touch time on those, to no the we're going to touch on the two, the two main big camps, camps the two big camps of how you interpret scripture so yep a dispensationalist would classically kind of hold to that god orders his interactions with man mm-hmm. based on dispensations or right different forms events. of governance right right so before the fall god governed under a certain set of rules. Uh, post-fall to Noah, there was a certain set of rules. Noah right. to Abraham and certain so on and so forth. And then after Christ, a completely different set of rules now. Yes. Yeah. So so it basically splits up Scripture into dispensations or sections yeah. of how God interacts with humanity. And to be fair, they're not saying God is different in those, but that he interacts differently. That life under the Mosaic Covenant looked a certain way, and life under the New Covenant looks a certain way, right? And that we can see these movements within um, redemptive history, and those help yeah. us understand Israel and and so on and so forth. Right? Covenant theology would say, like, well, we don't really think that that's how the Bible should be ordered. Um, they would say that the Bible should be understood under three covenants some would say two i would say three sure um but they would say the covenant of redemption 
yep. grace and works, right? Order, uh, creation. So the covenant of redemption made between the members of the Trinity before the foundations of the world, where they determined to save a people. Yep. For uh, for God's glory, and flowing out of that in time and space, movements within the covenant of grace. Right. Uh, covenant of works being the means by which Adam was governed mm-hmm. and righteousness was uh, availed to be acquired and of which he failed. Right. And Basically, he, the law. The law. Yep. And he comes out under the curse of that. So right. we would say those covenants playing out in time and space drive the story of the Bible. And we right. understand... Um, we understand different texts differently based on that. So someone might hear this and say, oh, this sounds like a headache. This sounds like just something to fight over. In fact, yeah. I just uh, r- recently on Facebook was um, quite politely yeah. told oh, yeah. that this is just a big kind of hubbub and that we should just go down the middle right. and that they right. don't, you know, people who would argue about this stuff or spend time on this stuff are just kind of stuffy theologians. Right. I would argue right. it actually does It does matter. matter. I think it does matter because on it matters big picture in that whatever camp you fall on, that is how you are interpreting scripture. That's kind of a big deal, it's Josh. It's kind of a big deal. <laughs> um, how I interpret making, scripture is a big deal. Yes, and how do we view God interacting with man? Yeah. Right? It, both in the New Testament and then also through Christ. Like, what was the pers- purpose of the gospel? What did it fulfill? What's the purpose of the law now? I think covenantal theology does a, in my opinion, a better and more biblical job at answering those questions and showing you the purpose of why God did what he did. And it's pointing, everything's pointing in covenantal theology to the person of Christ. Everything's pointing to him being the fulfillment of that for his people. Yeah. Right. Whereas dispensationalism on the other hand, we'll say that a lot of what God did in the Old Testament is still, what do you say, still in place, still being worked out, still yeah, so, might, might happen in the future, depending on yeah. if Israel like gets their red heifers together or something like that. <laughs> I had a friend who, I thought he said it really succinctly. Uh, he didn't He didn't mean to say something quite profound, but he did. Um, <laughs> Those are the best friends. This <laughs> Like I know you ain't that smart, but that was good. <laughs> well, he was he was trying to so he he had the misfortune of working custodial with a bunch of seminarians and oh. he was not a seminarian. Oh, I bet he was I uh, have so much pity for most him. Most popular person in the group. Well, he just was like, I don't know what you guys are talking about all day. Yeah, so he asked fair. me once, like, what are you guys talking about? Mm. And so I was trying to explain covenantal and dispensationalism. Mm. I was trying to describe dispensationalism, of which he was kind of born in, and raised in. Sure, sure. And he goes like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's basically all about Israel. I said, yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah. That your that system Fair. is very Israel-centered. Right. Where, um, and I know that there would be dispensationalists who would balk at what yeah. I'm about to say. Covenant theology tends to be more Christ-centric, that we would see... Correct. Him being the object of those promises and covenants, we'd see uh, our role in the New Testament not as a big um, parenthesis, mm-hmm. uh, not like the church is some unforeseen distraction from what God is really doing, right. but this is exactly what, ever since Genesis 11, where God created the nations, Yep, he has had his eye on the nations, he will have them for himself, Right, 
it's never been about one people, one nation. He's always been right. after it's, the nation's plural. Right, exactly, exactly. Covenantal theology sees God plucking the nation of Israel out from all the nations as a picture, a visual representation, if you will, of what God did, large picture, with the church. Sure, yeah. And, that's, and, yeah. That's, so when, when we're talking about Israel, because it always comes down to that, when, when you're yeah. talking with the dispensational, it's like, well, what about Israel now, right? Yeah. What about Israel now? What, like, is God, quote unquote, is God done with Israel? I'd say no, the, the church is, anyway. Right. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Covenantal, <laughs> we're talking about true Israel, yes. right? Spirit. Which, yeah. which is the Sons church. of Abraham by faith, as Galatians puts it, but yeah. The elect, yeah. right? I also think that there's a lot of things that go on with God's electing of Israel, drawing them out, making them a peculiar people, um, in that he is paving the way for which Christ will come into the world. Right. And all of those promises, giving them the land, giving them the law, giving them all of those pieces, they are paving the way Mm -hmm. for another Adam, a better David, to come and to be everything we've needed him to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's this huge narrative of creation, fall, redemption, restoration, centered with the center focal point being Christ. Yes. That is the main point of covenantalism. Yeah. Of how we interpret scripture is that scripture as a whole, Mm -hmm. its main focal point is the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I've, I've kind of, um, I've kind of narrowed down the, the places where the roads divide into three little areas. Um, to help understand kind of if someone's thinking like, man, I don't know which which one would I be in? Mm. Well, I think if you just ask three questions, you can kind of diagnose where you're at. Um, the first is that dispensationalism tends to be uh, Old Testament priority mm. and covenant theology is New Testament priority. What that means is dispensationalism looks at the Old Testament says, well, God cannot, will not, um, changes trajectory. So if we're looking at Ezekiel and we see a temple, we we he won't change that. That's that's got to be what it is. Right. If we're looking right. for a land, all all this, and so whatever the news says, it will not change or redefine or shed light on the old. Yes, covenant theology believes in what we call New Testament priority, or I, I like to call it progressive revelation. As we progress through the scriptures, things get clearer. Mm-hmm. It's not that they were wrong. Right. It's, I like what B.B. Warfield said, the Old Testament is a beautifully furnished room that is poorly lit. Mm. And we see with the light of the New Testament, oh my goodness, it was all there. Right. We just didn't see it all the right. first time through. Right, right. But you see in the Old Testament the trajectories. Oh, yeah. Like, you see it pointing. You see yes. little glimpses like, oh. Oh, like, like not take, even. Take the promise, yeah. like, at, in Genesis, yeah. when talking about how the snake will bruise his heel, but one will come that will crush the head of the snake. That's huge. It's talking about Christ there. Yeah. And in that, you see mm-hmm. in the beginning of the Bible, yeah, pointing to the main point of the entirety of Scripture, yeah. this person that will come and defeat the serpent. Yeah. That's why I tell my, my eighth graders know the question or the answer to the question every time I ask them, what is the Old Testament about? It's about Jesus. Yes, yes that's it is. right. It's, it's about all Jesus. about him. Right. Every lamb slaughtered and offered. Right. Every temple every resting place of god every major it's all about him 
Right. That doesn't mean we get all weird with the text, but it, it means that as so take Genesis three fifteen. Yep. We we don't know a whole lot in that text, but by John nineteen we've got a lot clearer picture of right. how his heel is bruised and yeah. who is the head crusher and who is so it, it gets clearer. So that's one. Uh, which which takes priority, the Old Testament or the New? Um, the irony is a dispensationalist will spend more time preaching from the New because they think that's for the church. Right. So some people get that confused. Um, like take Dr. MacArthur, he's preached through all of the New Testament, which is a tremendously, yeah. oh, that's man. a huge feat. Yeah, it's crazy. But um, he's going to say the trajectory set in the old is the thing. The uh, second question would be, is there one or two people of God? Yeah, is and it the that's, church in that's Israel? A huge question. Or is it has it always those been who are saved person? by faith in Christ? Right. Whether they were in the old covenant looking forward or in the new looking back. Right. Covenant theology would say there's only ever been one people of God, those who right. believe in Christ by faith, whether yeah. old or new. Well, and it's dispensationalism what, it's what says Paul there's calls... two totally different. There are two totally different groups. Right. right. And so much so that, as I heard in seminary, um, after the rapture. God returns to his true love. Right. Israel. Israel. And they're speaking of the nation, the actual the, ethnic the actual nation. ethnic blood yeah. nation of Israel. Yeah. Right. Which is to which, which I have a hard time someone saying that the church is not his I think it's a tough way to say it, true love. Yeah. Baloney. No. Like read the it's New not, Testament. Come true. on. This well, is... even Paul, Paul Paul speaks of true Israel. Yeah. You know, and it, how do you say Christ doesn't truly love the church? Come on! No, 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 no! You can't to say no. So Josh uh, was that friend. I'll just say no. no. I was not. <laughs> All right, you're right. That was slander. Take it back. I take, take it back. It back. <laughs> I don't want your eighth graders thinking you got some some crazy whack. He's on that podcast as an evangelist. Uh, yes, that's right. Trying to get you over to the dispy side. No, oh, man. No, no. And it, and here's the thing. It's just it it is so important because. And even dispensationalists, I think, when you talk about, when you make the statement, Jesus Christ is the point of Scripture. He's the focal point. They would say amen. They would say amen. Yeah. Amen. Right? But you have to take that and then use it as your template, not just in the New Testament, but also in the Old. Right? When we're talking about the people of God. Yeah. It's a people that God knew who were his. Like, we just got done with Calvinism. God knows who his sheep are, and he's known it before the foundations of the world. God has had one plan. He hasn't changed his plan. He hasn't tra- had to had to, had to to do something different for different types of people. It's, oh, he's had one people yeah. the entirety of the time, and it's his elect, chosen before the foundations of the world, that God wanted to give a visual representation of, like we said before, in choosing Israel. It's a picture. It's to show you, look, just as Israel was nothing, you were nothing. Sure. And God chose them out of the love in his heart to bring him glory. That is a picture, a visual representation of what Christ did for you in election. And everything's about God. Yeah. Everything, the covenant, it, yeah. it, like it's all pointing to the person of Christ as the fulfillment of those for his church. Yep. Yeah. And, and you can even see throughout all the Old Testament him showing you that his eye is on the nations. I mean, incorporating Rahab into the line of Messiah, incorporating oh, Ruth. I mean, Rahab, a Canaanite, Ruth, a Moabite. Right. Uh, saving Naaman. Yep. Like general of Syrian army. Like 
he has shown you over and over again, yes, I'm primarily working with Israel to bring about Messiah, the Savior of the world, right. but my eyes are on the nations and my elect in yeah. those nations. Right. Um, so I, I would say that uh, the third question would be um, literal versus, and it's, it's kind of hard to say on the other side of this, uh, some would call it apostolic hermeneutics. So when we say hermeneutics, sure. we mean interpreting the Bible. Right. And when most people ask you, do you interpret the Bible literally? They're not asking that. Right. What they're asking is, do you take the Bible seriously? To which yeah. I say, yes. Yes, of course. We all should. Right. If you're asking, so what I do is when someone says that, I say, well, what do you mean by that? Yeah. If you mean literal, which means technically by the letter, right. I would say no. Right. No, yeah. I, d I don't think you should take the Bible literally. Otherwise, parts of the Bible. Um, I mean, it depends on it depends. I'm not going to take Revelation literally. So what I'm saying is, if you take the Psalms literally, God has wings, and we know that yes, God doesn't fair. have wings. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you, do I take the Bible seriously? I do. Do I take it literally in the sense of by the letter? No, because different genres. Revelation being a right. apocalyptic literature. Yep. The Psalms being poetry, they are inherently. Uh, to be interpreted metaphorically. Well, well, and, in and to be interpreted in light of their genre. Yeah. You're not going to take a Robert Frost book and interpret it literally, even though he may want you to do that. I don't know. It was probably... I don't, it I don't know who Robert literally. Frost is. Are you serious? I'm staring at our producer right now. You don't know who... He's like one of the most famous poets, poets of all know, time. No, you're not. <laughs> No, you're not. You he, didn't he know. Wrote, he wrote, you didn't he know wrote, who he was. He wrote The Road Less Taken. Yeah. Two roads to verge in the wood. Okay. Yeah. Knew not which one to take. Don't interpret that literally. No, because he goes you'll, right down. He bushwhacks right down the middle. You'll get lost. <laughs> you'll, you'll, run into a, some, you'll run into a tree or yeah. jump off a cliff. So, yeah, yeah w you shouldn't take... You need to interpret the Bible in light of its genre. Yes. If it's narrative, that really happened. They yeah. really were those people. Right. If it's apocalyptic literature, um, no, they don't believe that a third of the stars of heaven fall. Right. Stars are symbolic. Um, numbers are used differently. So mm -hmm. a dispensationalist would say, I interpret the Bible literally. Ezekiel says at the end that there's a temple. I literally believe that, right. that there's a real temple. Right. Um, I had one. I, I challenged a friend. I said, do you... you you take all the Bible literally, and he says, yes. I said, okay, so look at this minor prophet. Um, it's looking forward to the end, the day of the Lord, and it says that he will undo chariot and rider. Like, do you think we're going back to chariots? He said, yes. Yeah, well. Because he has to take chariot, must be mean chariot. That is true until you get to the giant locusts, which they say are Apache helicopters. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> they don't, they take some, take some liberties. In their I, literal approach, there are there are sometimes where I say, um, if they ask me, do I take the Bible literally? I say I do. Yeah. When Jesus said, that "I tell you, the kingdom is among you," I yeah. say I literally believe that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I yeah. Re I really think the wait, kingdom's you, here. Wait, you believe we're in the kingdom now? Yeah. Oh no. I know. Me and John. Yeah. The Baptist. Yeah, and the entirety and John, of scripture. the apostle. Yeah. Yeah. So all the all the apostles. The the and reform dispensationalists would say that literal. Thousand yes. years in Revelation twenty one is a thousand years. It says thousand six times. You can't say it's not a thousand years. Right. 
a covenantalist would say, well, we interpret Bible within their genre. We interpret it faithfully to what we believe the author um, was meaning, what the Spirit was inspiring. And so even if in Joel 2, we, we didn't exactly know what that looked like, when Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and says, hey, what's happening now? Mm-hmm. And he's saying this by the inspiration of the Scripture. This is what Joel said. Right. Or you take the Jerusalem Council when they're quoting Amos. Um, that is spirit-inspired interpretation. Yeah. And so when they apply these things to themselves, saying this is what the prophet saw, the outpouring of the spirit on the nations, we say amen, and yep. that's what is meant. So right. um, do it, does it mean we get all loosey-goosey and um, willy-nilly and believe whatever we want with the Bible, Josh? No. Oh, good. No. I, I was actually worried for a second Sorry. there. <laughs> I had to think about the question. No, no, I didn't. Have Does that mean we get all allegorical and be like every every everything rock in the Jordan a, Valley? Yes, everything is an allegory. No, 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 no. Miracles did happen, people. Christ did many wonders in the New Testament. Yeah. That it, that's actually a real thing. But right? when the Song but, of Songs says that her nose... <laughs> You're going to go there? <laughs> when it says her why, neck why was like a tower? No, no, I actually believe that was literal. I bet she... I think she had like... You know you know, like, you know, know, like, in Attack of, Attack of the Clones, the, the creatures I, on Kamino that created the clones, I those regret necks, that analogy immediately. That is who they were talking about. The Kaminoans. Kaminoans. The Kaminoans. So that's Let's kind of the lay Let's of the land. Up. Yes. Covenantalism um, is the biblical, I believe, structure of which we must interpret scripture. Yeah. So let me ask you. Okay. As we come to the turn. The turn of the Do century. you think that dispensationalists are godly Christian brothers and sisters? Of course. E- but you disagree with them. I do. You think they're wrong. I do. I th- I and yet, wrong. you have the audacity mm-hmm. to say that they are, would you say there are dispies who are more godly than you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, should oh, we yeah. get super angry? No. Again, oh, okay. this this falls into a secondary issue. Is it important? Yes, I do believe it's important. Very important. But is it worth breaking fellowship? Yes. Is it worth- <laughs> What? <laughs> no. That, the answer to that is no. <laughs> Eighth graders, the answer to that is no. <laughs> Don't listen to your teacher. Listen to him most of the times. Except at this moment, yeah. <laughs> he's wrong. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, no, no. So here, no. here's a piece we, that we often we, we forget. Have to, we have to be gracious. Godly men and women, like Dr. MacArthur, is more accomplished and godly than Josh and I put together. I, I will ever never, will be. I will never ever reach the preaching caliber or the the, <laughs> the, the way the I describe it, it that he does. It'll never happen. The way I describe it is my my ministry will never touch the hem of his garments. That's fair. Or yeah. Or the he- the hem of his slacks. Yeah. <laughs> Sounded better when I said garments. <laughs> I don't know. Garments yeah, slacks are a little We're moving on. Yeah. So let's remember even in this discussion that there are godly men and women on both sides mm-hmm. and that charitableness right. needs to season all of our conversations. So do we hold? Are these things important? Yeah, actually, this is like one of my favorite topics. Yeah, and I actually think it's super important. Yes, but it's never an excuse to sin against your brother or sister. No. So, um, we wanted to bring it up early because we are kind of early on in our podcast here, looking to define what is meant by reform theology. Yeah, you can't talk about reform theology without talking covenantal theology, and we wanted to give a overview yep we'll get into it more later but this is just kind of lay of the land 
reference point to people who don't know, like, what is a dispensationalist? What is a covenant theology or a theologian? Um, which one am I? What are the differences? Those are this is like the super brief sketched out in crayon. Um, my crayon perspective broke. on these things. You, you, I believe you. <laughs> and then I started eating it. <laughs> oh. Daniel, yeah. we have our first Patreon supporter. What does that mean, Josh? That means uh, a very gracious individual. They might be Dispy or they might be Covenantal. I'm actually not sure. Either way, they chose to support us on Patreon. Mr. David Bouchard. Thank you, sir, for yeah. partnering with us in this endeavor as we seek to ask and answer the questions of life and theology in a robust manner. Yeah. So thank you, sir. We appreciate your support. And now, Daniel, something that I wish was figurative and not literal. But it's so literal. It's y- chord on tr- culture. Yeah, it's chord on culture. This is a song that I like. This song is... Ergo, song I hate. Probably. That's fair. Yeah. So this song was dropped in uh, 2013. Okay. All right. And... Seven years ago. You are going to like it. I guarantee it. I don't know about that. Like Joe Namath. <laughs> okay. Hi Ho Silver. The Lone Ranger. Oh, good gracious. That drop was fierce. Fierce. Once he starts talking, you should recognize his voice. Is it Bill Clinton? Triply. No. No? No. It's not Triply. Well, so he's part of this. This, this dude, this sounds like Trip Lee. Might be. So the main artist is Andy Minio. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's the uh, You Can't Stop Me guy, right? You yeah. Can't Stop Me. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is his song, The Saints. The Saints. Yeah. Yeah, this is Minio. Oh. Oh. Okay. My girls love this one. That's this this bad. is dance party occasion at our house. So you might have a winner here, my friend. Whoa. You know what? For the first time, I think. Left, right. Oh, do, oh yeah. Okay. Dude, Dude, I'm adding this. I'm adding this to this my workout junk. playlist. Well done, Daniel. Thank you. For the my man, my man. I like it. I like it. Well, Daniel. Um, well done. I'm adding this to my playlist. You actually found one that I like. So good job, uh, ladies and gentlemen. As we uh, send you out with this excellent left, right, left, right. Saints go marching in. Head on over to Renewed Man. Make sure to get some beard products. Follow them on Instagram, Renewed Man Grooming. And um, follow us on all of the sociables. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Reformatory Pod. Send us your questions on anything. On the previous uh, series that we've done, the five solas, Calvinism, Covenantalism, why Daniel is the way that he is. Some of them can't be answered. Some of them can't be answered, but we will, ask anyway. we will try. Ask anyway. There are no stupid questions, just stupid people that ask questions. Out. Out. <laughs>
know what you've been told about us, about us. But we gon' love them even though they doubt us, doubt us. We just visiting it like we some mad at us. Got them asking us how is this guy turn y'all in the showers? Like, hold up.